Guys, it's been two long weeks. The international break comes right at the worst time every season. We all know it. We all hate it. But it's there. And until something's done about it, it's going to remain an issue. I am Brandon Rouse. I am your host. And I am back to present you another episode of the Footy Bros Premier League Podcast. Unfortunately, my co-host Chase will not be with me today, so I am going at it alone. Uh, Chase is down, but not out. I repeat, he is down, but not out. Uh, the, the weather uh, has gotten the best of him. But uh, like I said, the man is down, but not out. Kind of like Derek Lewis in the octagon. In the last 30 seconds, Chase is going to fight back, and hopefully he will be back on for next week's episode. So I'm going to carry this one for the team. Uh, I'm going to present most of the same segments, the same material. Um, obviously, it'll be a little quicker seeing as I don't have uh, you know, Chase providing some additional feedback. So I'll uh, try to be as efficient as possible without uh, going into too much detail. And uh, we'll start right off with the results from the previous game week. Uh, it's been a little while, so some of this is going to have to be a refresher uh, for myself included. But again, I don't think I did very well looking at some of my score predictions uh, for last week um, and analyzing the results from um, those games. Going right into it with uh, Brighton and West Ham, I predicted a one or a two-one victory for West Ham and end up being a Brighton victory, lo and behold, uh, 1-0. Uh, who else but 35-year-old Glenn Murray at it again in the 25th minute. This man is ageless. He scores when he wants. He's, he scores for fun. Uh, he is tied for second in the Premier League now uh, with five goals this season. He, he's just quietly playing his football and enjoying it. Um, he, you can tell the way he plays. He really, really enjoys himself. He doesn't look like he's 35 years old out there. Uh, I think Chase and I have talked about this on multiple episodes now. We're just both of us are just astonished with you know just how well he continues to play and, and produce uh, week in and week out at his age. You you just don't see that, uh, especially at this level. You know, consistently, it's, it's it truly is incredible what he's been able to do uh, week in and week out. It is his sixth goal. Uh, against West Ham alone. So that just goes to show the kind of goal-scoring record that he has. Uh, West Ham were disappointing on the day overall. They created few chances. They got better in the second half, but they just failed to capitalize as anything they produced, any half chances that they created. Uh, so disappointing after you know a bit of a stretch of good games. Thought they were really starting to turn around, but the, the inconsistencies are you know still creeping up on them and still kind of difficult to figure out, you know, if they're going to be able to be consistent going forward. Uh, Brighton, with the win, move up to 12th in the league on eight points. Uh, West Ham still only in 15th in the league in in the safety zone um, right now, but they're on seven points. So, uh, you know, again, they, they need to kind of assess, you know, that performance and, and, and going forward you know, utilize those creative players. You know, Chase and I talked about it again and again and again, the money they've spent, the creativity they have. Yeah, it takes time sometimes to get all that figured out, but uh, disappointing performance overall on the day. And speaking of disappointing performances, a team that started out the season on such a high 
And uh, Chase and I kind of joked that, you know, are they the next Lester? Um, you know, all, all jokes aside, the reality is no, obviously. Uh, Watford, really disappointing against Bournemouth. Or you could say Bournemouth were also that good, you know, not to take any credit away from Bournemouth. Put up a four spot on them. Four nil, blanked them. Uh, David Brooks started the scoring in the 14th minute. Uh, Josh King had two goals on the day. He earned a penalty in the 33rd minute. Um, and that actually resulted in a uh, second yellow card uh, for, uh, I think, Casabelli, the Watford defender. And, uh, and then Josh King uh, converted the, the uh, ensuing penalty and then scored again in the 45th minute. So he had two goals on the day. And then Callum Wilson also scored in the 47th minute. And then from there, it was kind of cruise control for Bournemouth. Kind of took their foot off the gas and, and uh, were very comfortable throughout the game. Uh, this is the biggest ever away victory for Bournemouth in the Premier League. Uh, j- just incredible uh, the, the, per- the performance from Bournemouth. And they got 4-0 uh, themselves against Burnley. So, you know, this is a team that is more consistent, though, than a team like West Ham. You know, that was kind of a fluke result in the end, kind of a bad day at the office. But this one really shows that Eddie Howe's got this squad playing on all cylinders. They're, they're fun to watch, good chemistry in the team. Um, and Wofford going the other way. You know, they started the season so well, so promising. Those first, uh, what, four games they won on the spin. And now they're kind of falling off. So it's a little concerning. Uh, they have failed to win in their last four matches after they had won their first four, and they've only picked up a point in that stretch. So they sit on 13 points now after eight matches after collecting 12 in the first four. So really concerning uh, times for Watford to go from that much of a high to, I guess, crash back down to earth on such a low. Uh, Bournemouth move up to sixth in the league on 16 points, and then Watford, like I said, on 13 points, they fall to ninth in the league. Moving on to the uh, Tottenham Hotspur-Cardiff matchup. Uh, Tottenham did win 1-0. Ended up being a close scoreline in the end, especially considering that uh, Joe Rawls of Cardiff saw red, straight red, in the 58th minute for... (sighs) That challenge was wild. If you have not seen the Spurs-Cardiff highlights, you need to check that out. Lucas Mora uh, basically bridged him, so he kind of nicked the ball around Joe Rawls, and, and, and Lucas Mora, one of the fastest players in the Premier League, uh, you could argue even in the world. I mean, he's a very, very quick winger. And he knew he had him beat for pace. I mean, the moment you saw that happen, it was just like one of those jaw-dropping moments where like, oh, he's you know he's dusted on the sideline. He's got him. And Joe Rawls just kind of throws his body at Lucas Mora. I mean, he knew from the moment he did it what he was doing. It was a tactical foul. But it was so dangerous the way he... I mean, he had Lucas Moore flying in the air, and trust me, I'm a critic of any player that attempts to theatrically dive to make to sell a referee. This was absolutely not the case. I mean, he lunged himself into Lucas Mora, and it was just such a wild challenge. I mean, there he could have tugged on his jersey or pulled him back a little bit in a safer manner to get at least maybe a yellow, but that was worthy of a straight red, in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't know how uh, you know Chase would have felt about that, but I'm sure he can at least agree the challenge was absolutely wild. And uh, you know, Cardiff, with all respect to them, held it 
to a one nil scoreline. They just couldn't convert themselves, and they had a couple chances. Um, but unfortunately for them, like I said, they were unable to capitalize. So Eric Dyer actually picked up his first Premier League goal in this match. Uh, or I'm sorry, his first Premier League goal since April 2017. So um, it had been a year and a half since he had last scored in the Premier League uh, in the eighth minute. And so that was a difference. Uh, Spurs unable to take advantage of the 10-man Cardiff uh, squad, but you know, a, a victory is a victory. They get the clean sheet. They get the three points. That's all they're concerned about. And Spurs are third in the league on 19 points, uh, one point off uh, the uh, the top. And Cardiff remained bottom of the league on just two points earned on the season. And as I've said time and time again in the previous episodes, Cardiff right now look like a very likely favorite to go down. And I, th- I stand by that. Goals are really hard to come by at this team at the moment. And... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see anyone personally that's going to step up and, uh, and, and score for them anytime soon in, in a manner in which they can, you know, if they get a 1-0 lead, can they hold that? I don't see them being that kind of team. So Cardiff need to figure something out quickly. Uh, Leicester-Everton produced a pretty entertaining match. Everton collected a 2-1 victory uh, thanks to Gilfie Sigurdsson's goal of the season contender. Uh, I'm sure, you know, that's not going to be the goal of the season, but it's up there. Uh, already, it was a beautiful turn and quick strike to the uh, top left corner of the net. Uh, Richarlson discovered or rediscovered his goal-scoring form. Uh, he got his fourth of the season in the seventh minute, so early on. And uh, Ricardo Pereira scored for Leicester in the 40th minute, but that was not enough, thanks to, like I said, Gilfie's uh, wonder goal. Um, and that what helped with that um, for Everton to kind of take control of the second half. Wes Morgan uh, was sent off on a second yellow in the 63rd minute for Leicester, so that kind of put them on the brink for the rest of the match, and they were unable to hold out. And uh, Everton, with that victory, they collect their first away win of the season, and they move up to 11th in the league, uh, level on points with Leicester, uh, but Leicester sit sit in 10th place uh, due to goal difference. So both of those teams, you know, Maybe about where you'd expect them in the table. I would say Everton should be a little higher, um, you know, especially with the signings they've made. Uh, they're definitely expected to finish higher, at least in, in a Europa League spot. So, so they, you know, hopefully for, for their sake. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I don't, you know, wish them to <laughs> have success. But, um, you know, when you look at the team, they. Uh, should be higher in the table, but it's, of course, very early in the season still. So they've, they've had a couple of impressive victories in the last two, so they've got six out of six, so they continue to to move their way up the table. Crystal Palace uh, shut out at home against Wolves. Uh, Matt Doherty uh, scored his first Premier League goal for Wolves, and uh, in the 66th, or excuse me, the 56th minute, and uh, Wolves could have actually had two if it wasn't for the woodwork denying... Uh, uh, Ivan uh, Cavallero, the substitute, uh, late on. So Wolves are just quietly, you know, kind of winning games, getting points, and they're they're playing sometimes not the most entertaining football, but it's enough to you know win matches. But sometimes even these one nils, they they produce entertaining stuff. Uh, they look like a team that's you know very much together and enjoying their football. Um, they're on a six match unbeaten run. 
and it's their fourth Premier League victory in the last five matches. So like I said, they've kind of been sneaking their way at the table. You know, you're, you're, the headlines are always going to be around those, you know, Man Cities, you know, Man United's, Arsenal, Liverpool's, Chelsea's, Tottenham. But you're not looking at a team like Wolves, who, of course, are newly promoted. So, uh, you know, very impressive run of games that they're on. Uh, and, and they're up to seventh in the league. Uh, they're 7th in the table with 15 points, and Crystal Palace fall to 14th with 7 points. So Palace, you know, in a spot where they're still safe, but, you know, kind of struggling to produce goals. You know, Chase and I talked about it in the past. Wilfried Zaha is definitely a guy that they rely on a lot for goals or to create. And you just can't always channel everything through one guy, you know. And so Palace need to kind of figure out you know, in addition to him, who can supplement him, who can step up uh, for the team, or else they may have to go shopping in January for that um, additional assistance up front. Burnley and Huddersfield produced a 1-1 draw. Not what I expected personally. Um, but good to see Huddersfield get a goal. It's, it's one. You know, they, they need for their confidence, or just to get something started, to get off the bottom of the league, they, they need to... Um, you know, find some goal scorers. Uh, Sam Volks scored for his second time um, in consecutive matches. So he has, uh, or he scored in the 20th minute, uh, two and two, like I said. Christopher uh, Schindler scored his first Premier League goal uh, as well. And uh, he scored in the 66th minute. Huddersfield were actually the stronger side. Uh, they had, I think, uh, 69% of the, uh, the possession and they had 19 shots, but only two of their shots were on target, and one of them was their goal. So they really struggled to take advantage of all that possession, all those shots that they had. Um, you know, good on Burnley to to hold out and and, and get the draw, and uh, that draw gives Burnley a little bit of an unbeaten run of their own. They uh, are now on three successive matches uh, unbeaten, and they sit 12th in the league on eight points. And Huddersfield are still in the relegation zone. They get the point for the draw, but they are still in 18th, and they are on three points. So this game right here, oh, oh. oh man. I watched this one from 0 to 90. This game was, it ended up being a really entertaining match in the end, but I don't know how I feel about it. And that is the Manchester United-Newcastle uh, game. Final score ended up being 3-2. Headline, number one headline, of course, Jose Mourinho lives to see another day as Manchester United managers. They claw back from one of the most shocking starts I've ever seen. I could not believe what I was seeing. Uh, inside 10 minutes, they go down 2-0 at Old Trafford. Uh, Newcastle became the first visitors, as a matter of fact, to score twice inside of 10 minutes at Old Trafford. They looked shell-shocked. The defending was atrocious. The first goal from Kennedy resulted on a throw-in. And then Muto, in, on the second goal, three minutes later, just turns inside the box. Two defenders there can't close him down and just smashes it pretty much in the middle of the goal. I mean, it was awful defending. And it just looked like Newcastle were either going to continue to run away with it or, you know, they were just going to sit back and then try to defend that 2-0 lead. Kind of play Mourinho-esque, park-the-bus football for the rest of the game. And that's pretty much what happened. 
United had a ridiculous amount of possession, you know, as expected, like 73%, I believe. But it didn't matter until late in the second half. On uh, the 70th minute, Juan Mata had a beautiful free kick that he curled uh, just inside the uh, inside post. And that kind of gave United some life. And sure enough, six minutes later, uh, Anthony Martial received a, a backheel flick from Pogba's beautiful flick in the box. And Martial smashed it uh, near post as well. And sure enough, there you go. That's the life that United needed. We got a 2-2 game. We got about you know, 13, 14 minutes to go, plus stoppage time. Game on. And sure enough, uh, in stoppage time, or in the 90th minute, Alexis Sanchez with the header. United fans going crazy, team going crazy. The relief on Mourinho's face is there for all to see. And United scrap out a 3-2 victory. That was much needed. I mean, if, if they had lost at home to Newcastle, oh, the shambles. I mean, this is a Newcastle team that um, still is without a win now after this result. They have two points on the season. They're 19th in the league. They're in the relegation zone. Oh, the shambles. The headlines. Old Trafford. Is this place no longer a fortress? You know, even though they got the win, it begs the question. You know, Old Trafford is that place that you walk in and you're, you got fear. You were scared. I mean, even if you played there in the past, you, you walk in there and it's like, oh, this, there's something about this place. You know, I don't want to play here. You know, United's had some scary teams there, and it's more under the reign of uh, Fergie, Sir Alex Ferguson, than any of their recent managers since his, re- uh, since his retirement. But man, it doesn't. It just seems like a neutral site now. You know, it does not feel like United's ever home when they're there. And that's not good for a team of that stature and that size. And, and of course, don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying this because I'm, you know, obviously a Liverpool fan. You know, from an objective point of view, it was a great comeback for United. At first, I was angry and like, oh, they didn't deserve to win. But, you know, at the end of the day, a team that doesn't give up and, and scores three times in the final 20 minutes probably deserve to win, and, and those goals were quality. You can't argue that, you know, those goals were not quality, bad calls, whatever. They were well-earned goals, and Newcastle kind of lost their concentration. You know, they 2-0, and they knew that every there's a lot of pressure on Mourinho, and they kind of had nothing to lose, and that's a good mentality, but at the same time, you got to focus on yourselves, your team, and they failed to do that in those uh, closing minutes. So, anyway, United move up to 8th in the league with 13 points. They're still 7 off the top, so they they got to keep winning. You know, they cannot afford to drop many points at this point in the season. And like I said, Newcastle sits 2nd from bottom in 19th with only 2 points. You got to feel bad for Rafa Benitez. He's a good manager, but that club is is struggling. It's got championship quality written all over it. it. It's not a team that I mean, prime example right here. You go up two nil. Yes, it's a it's a club the stature of Manchester United. But anytime you go up two nil 
and you are cruising and you're comfortable, you got to try to see that result out. So conceding three goals from their standpoint and not scoring again is very disappointing. Speaking of goals, Fulham Arsenal, uh, that matchup brought all kinds of goals, and I'm sure Chase was ecstatic as an Arsenal supporter to see the not only the volume of goals, but the sheer quality. Those five goals, all of them, even Fulham's you can throw in there, all, all the goals in this game were quality. Nice, you know, finishes, accurate. Uh, team goal of the season contender, Aaron Ramsey with that beautiful flick, but all that teamwork and the passing and the buildup that led up to that, uh, it was a gorgeous goal. But uh, Arsenal's scoring for fun. You know, it's a leaky Fulham defense. Um, you know, they are struggling, but regardless of that, it's a it's a road game. Um, you know, there, there's just not a lot to say other than very impressive result for Arsenal. And a stat that I thought was pretty interesting was that all five of their goals involved an assist. Each and every one of those goals involved an assist. That's not too common when you score that many goals. So it just kind of demonstrates their fluidity, their teamwork, building up to all of these goals. Alexandre Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang both had two goals on the day. That's what Arsenal fans want to see, those two getting on the score sheet often. Uh, that's good for you know, the health of that attack. So Arsenal have now won six consecutive Premier League games and are in the top four on 18 points in fourth place. Fulham, meanwhile, sits 17th on just five points. The problem for Fulham is what's costing them is their defense. And I was confident they would not get uh, relegated this year, but the more I see them ship goals, the more red flags go up. You know, they are conceding a lot. You know, you can score as many as you want. You can score one, two, three a game, but your defense is conceding three, four, five. Not good. That's not a recipe for staying in the Premier League. Um, they need to sort that out quickly um, if they want to uh, stay afloat for next season. Chelsea Football Club produced a clean sheet, a healthy 3-0 victory. Pretty... You know, straightforward for them. Uh, yet again, uh, Eden Hazard is on the form of his life. He's got seven goals this season, which leads the league. Uh, scored in the 30th minute. Russ Barkley also scored uh, for Chelsea. It's his first Chelsea goal, actually. Uh, he scored in the 57th minute, and then uh, um, Alvaro Morata uh, put it to bed in stoppage time uh, for Chelsea. Uh, Keppa, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. I've heard it pronounced, and I think I may have pronounced it right once or twice, but the Spanish goalkeeper for Chelsea, he had a couple of nice saves in that game. He's, he's kind of quietly had a nice season. You know, you're, you always hear about, like, Alisson or Ederson or, um, you know, who else, whoever else, De Gea, you know, some of the more commonly known top keepers that are consistently performing well, but Keppa's been really solid for them. I'll give him that. Um he had a couple of nice saves, a couple of long shots from Nathan Redmond and Danny Ings in the game as well. So it's still getting tested a little bit. You know, just because they're getting clean sheets doesn't mean he's not getting tested. So uh, it's good to see that he's coming in in the league, you know, to a big club and to be able to perform 
uh, like that. Chelsea are second in the league with 20 points, and Southampton are 16th with 5 points. So Southampton, not the Southampton of the past that we're used to seeing. Um, you know, they, they've, they've kind of lost a lot of quality over the years. And, you know, Liverpool's partly to blame for that. You know, they were a while, they were kind of like a farm for, for Liverpool player or Liverpool was was uh, buying all the Southampton players. But, uh, you know, Southampton are, I, I think they're more likely to stay afloat than your teams like Cardiff and Newcastle and maybe even Fulham just because of the fact that, yeah, they conceded three against Chelsea, but Fulham are shipping goals like crazy, like I said. So it, it'll be interesting to see going forward you know, what happens with these with these kind of mid to lower level teams and, and how they address the particular issues they have, whether it's attack like for Hart or for Huddersfield and Cardiff, or if it's for the you know, the defense like Fulham. So we'll definitely have to see how they how they all sort those issues out. The last game of the previous game week was supposed to be the game of the season. I was hyped for it. I was excited. I was feeling good. I was feeling at least a healthy, entertaining draw or a win. I was thinking like, yeah, 2-2 draw. I think I predicted a 2-2 draw. Let's see if I have my score here. Yeah, I predicted a 2-2 draw. And I said there's no way this game's going to go 0-0. No way. No chance. Too much quality. Uh, both these teams play very attack-minded football. There's absolutely no chance this game will finish nil-nil. Well, it did. And it was a snoozer, believe it or not. I mean, can you believe that? A Manchester City-Liverpool game being boring, being a snoozer? Well, yeah, well, this one kind of was. Uh, I think the first half, I don't even think either team had a shot on target in the first half. Um, it, it was crazy. Like, it was awful. The second half, it picked up a little bit. Riyad Mahrez had a couple chances and then missed a penalty. Late on, a howler of a PK. I think he's done taking PKs for City. Uh, Gabriel Jesus was upset with him um, and kind of upset with Pep for letting Riyad take it. Pep and uh, Jesus kind of talked that over, and I think they've got that sorted out. I think he'll be taking it next time uh, if he's in the game. Virgil van Dyke created the penalty with a challenge on Leroy Sané, and for how good uh, Virgil's been this season... Not the best challenge. I like his style of play. He, he went in. He he had his mindset. I'm going in for this tackle, and I'm going to win this ball. Well, unfortunately, he did not. Luckily for him, Mares bailed him out with, like I said, one of the worst penalties you're going to see. Awful, awful penalty. I think he's missed. I saw a stat that was shocking. I, I wish I had collected it for the sake of this podcast. I want to say it was five of his last six in the Premier League, so he, why he even, you know, went to take that penalty, I don't know, or why he was allowed to take the penalty, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, with all that being said, uh, Man City and Liverpool are both on 20 points, but Man City are at the top of the league on goal difference, Chelsea are second in the league above Liverpool on goal difference as well, so Liverpool sit in third. Um, Man City have failed to win at Liverpool now in the last 15 years. So Anfield is not the place for Man City or to bet on Man City 
uh, collecting a win. So Liverpool continue to, uh, you know, do what they do best at Anfield, whether it's get clean sheets or just plain results. You know, if they're not going to lose, they're going to at least get a draw out of it. So um, disappointing game, though, for Man City-Liverpool. I'm totally convinced, confident that the game at the Etihad later in the season will be much better than this, uh, especially if there's a lot more, you know, to play for. Not that there wasn't in this one, because both teams are right there in the mix at the top of the league, but yeah, just a very disappointing performance for all the quality that was on the pitch. So that does it for the uh, analysis, at least my analysis, of the uh, previous game week uh, results. I don't believe I predicted any scores correctly. Um, do a quick glance here. No, I did not. Not even close. Um, actually, I take that back. Southampton-Chelsea, I did predict 3-0 Chelsea. All right. Feels good to get, at least get uh, at least get one right because the other nine were they were a shambles. It's so hard to predict Premier League scores, man. It's just so much that goes into it. You know, teams can have good days, bad days. You know, consolation goals. Who's gonna get red cards that can change the outcome of games? There's just so much that you have to go. You have to kind of think about when you're predicting these scores, and it's very difficult. So, uh, moving on. The three stars of the week. Well, I've got two Arsenal players featured in this one. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the number one overall for me. Two goals and an assist in that game. It was outstanding. And of course, Alexandre Lacazette also had two goals and was also outstanding on the day. And then Josh King of Bournemouth scored twice as well. And he played uh, very well against Watford. So those are undoubtedly your three stars. I debated on... Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson just on his strike alone because that is of course going to be one of the goals of the season or is up to this point so yeah those are your three stars of the week Um, looking at our power rankings uh, this is what I've got based on the results I've got Chelsea number one again this is a week by week power ranking so remember Chelsea's number one because of a 3-0 convincing win against Southampton Arsenal move up to two because they have 5-1 victory. Convincing road win for Arsenal. you got to put them in the two spot. And deservedly, both City and Liverpool drop. You see that? I'm bashing my own club. You know, because I, I recognize when my club, you know, is not performing. And that was a poor performance. So City are third, and Liverpool are fourth in the power ranking. Um, I almost put Spurs above Liverpool or City because... Both City and Liverpool just disappointed me. You know, they're both poor. Not that I want a City to win, but I'm just saying from, a, a, you know, taking, you know, my bias out of it, just from an objective point of view, from a neutral point of view, that was disappointing. And I'm sure a lot of neutrals would agree. All right, so I got a fantasy start-sit segment for you. This is a pretty good one. Some of these I was actually, I, were, I was more confident with some of these picks. I, I kind of felt good about some of them. Um... I'll say that every week, and then, of course, you know, they'll completely prove me wrong, as they have in the past. But, you know, looking at the matchups, I like right off the bat, I've got Alisson starting against Huddersfield, goalkeeper position, just because of the Huddersfield uh, goal-scoring struggles, and I just like Alisson to get a clean sheet there. 
I've got Casper Schmeichel sitting against Arsenal. As good of a goalkeeper as he is, I've got him sitting, again, because Arsenal are hot, and I don't see them getting a clean sheet on the road against Arsenal. No way. I don't see it. Kind of like I said how Man City and Liverpool, no way. That'd be a 0-0. Well, we'll see, but I, th- I think Arsenal will at least bag a goal or two against Casper Michael and Leicester. I've got uh, Ben Mendy starting against Burnley for defense. The games that he start has started this season, he's been pretty phenomenal. He's uh, racked up a lot of assists, so I, I like him to start at home against Burnley. Uh, for the defender uh, to sit out this one, Craig Cathcart from Watford. And the reason why I isolated him is because he's, he's facing a hot Wolves side on the road, and he, if you look at his previous games, he's had negative points in both of his last two games. He has minus one, minus one for his scores for the last two games. So uh, Watford, you know, shipping a lot of goals. So yeah, I, Watford are really struggling. I wouldn't start him. I would not personally start him this week based on that um, uh, stat line. Andre Sherla, give him the start in the midfield position. He has played 90 minutes his last four games, and he is playing a struggling Cardiff side. He even scored against Arsenal. So yeah, I like him to start. He's on pretty good form. Nonetheless, you know, considering Fulham's problems, as an individual player, Andre Sherla is a pretty good bet. I've got James Madison in a risky one here. I've got him sitting against Arsenal. I say it's risky because he's one of the top-scoring midfielders in fantasy this season. He has 42 uh, total points scored. But, again, he's away to high-flying Arsenal. So... This could be a high-scoring game just because both defenses, you know, could ship goals. So maybe Madison could get on the score sheet or provide an assist, but I've got him sitting. This one was my toughest one, so, you know, this one's maybe a little more debatable. You might not agree with me on this one, understandable. Um, But just for the matchup alone, I've got him sitting. I've got Alexandre Lacazette starting as the forward. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang could, too. Um... Both of them are finding form. Both of them have three goals in the last three games. So really toss up either one or both if you happen to have both. And I've got Romelu Lukaku sitting against Chelsea away from home in this one. I don't think... I think United may crack a goal, but I don't think it's going to come from Lukaku. I'm not sure who it's going to come from. Maybe Pogba, but I don't think he's going to produce much personally in this game um like i said in a you know pretty difficult matchup so that is my fantasy start sit segment um that's one of those things that's kind of always up for grabs kind of up in the air you may agree disagree obviously when the game week concludes you can really say well that was a dumb or choice or that was a good choice but um you know it's all just in fun so we'll see how those uh pan out and now, uh, for the closing segment, I've got my Game Week 9 predictions. Starting off with the first game, should be the game of the week. Chelsea at home at the bridge against Manchester United, who are feeling good coming off of that miracle comeback win against Newcastle. As good as they're feeling, as high as they're flying, I've got Chelsea winning 2-1. 
And, you know, it's tough for me because as a Liverpool fan and, and my dislike for Manchester United, they only have 13 points and they're less of a threat than Chelsea right now who are level with us on points but above us on goal difference. So really, I would need United to win the game. Um, but I think what's going to happen is Chelsea is going to win 2-1. I'm not going to really root for anybody. If they draw and they both drop points, that's fine with me, but I just hope you know it's a good game. Bournemouth, I think, are going to continue their you know good play, their good run of form, and I think they win 2-0 at home against Southampton. Uh, Fulham, I think, I think this is a perfect opportunity for Fulham to come to life. I think Fulham beat Cardiff 3-1. They concede a you know, like a consolation or something like that. Or maybe they concede really early, but then they go on and just, you know, score three in a row. I, I just, either way, however it pans out, I, I think Fulham end up winning comfortably. Um, Manchester City, I've got winning 3-1 at home against Burnley. Burnley been playing pretty well. That's why I kind of gave him a goal. It's so hard to give anyone a goal, really, against City uh, on or at the uh, at the Etihad, excuse me. But, um... I'll give it to Burnley. It's not like Man City are they're they're all human, right? But they're just a very difficult team to break down. But I'll give it uh, a 3-1 scoreline there. I got a 1-1 draw for Newcastle Brighton. Uh, Newcastle, I just don't think have the the character to still get their first win of the season. But hopefully they prove me wrong. It would be good to see them win uh, for the sake of you know the table and just keeping the relegation battle interesting. I got Tottenham Hotspur winning on the road 2-1 against West Ham. This is a tough one. Uh, you know, one of those kind of games that can sneak up on you if you're from a Spurs perspective, but I, I think Spurs are um, starting to find a little bit of a rhythm, and I think it'll be enough to carry them over an inconsistent West Ham. I've got Wolves beating Watford 1-0. Uh, another narrow, but... You know, solid win for Wolves is what I think. I think Watford, just they're just a shambles right now. They are struggling for form. And I think they failed to score, and I think Wolves score once and then just kind of control the match. Uh, Liverpool, I've got winning 2-0 against Huddersfield. I wanted to give Huddersfield a consolation for some reason or a goal just in general. Like, Liverpool tend to concede. I was reading an interesting article about how the Huddersfield have a little bit of height and might possess kind of like an aerial threat to Liverpool. So like on a corner, you know, just any kind of dead ball situation, free kick. And Liverpool are known for conceding. I mean, this this defense has, has you know, uh, gotten better in recent times. But over the years, Liverpool have been known to concede scrappy free kick or set-piece goals. Just we've conceded some bad goals. And that's why I was kind of on the fence. Like I could see like a two-one kind of narrow score line, but like a comfortable win, if that makes sense, or a three-one. But I went with two-nil. That's what I'm going with. So two-nil to Liverpool. Uh, Everton, I think, keep their good run going, and they win three-nil at home to uh, against Crystal Palace. I think they have a convincing home victory against Crystal Palace. And finally. Uh, the Monday game, Arsenal versus Leicester. This is the game that I think will be fun to watch. It's going to produce goals, and I see a 4-2. Uh, wish I could have Chase here to get his reaction for that one. Uh, Arsenal win 4-2, of course. Um, I can't see Leicester scoring four times. 
especially at the Emirates. But I've got Arsenal winning 4-2. And so that wraps up my predictions. It also wraps up this episode of the Footy Bros Premier League Podcast. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Uh, I was a lone ranger this week. Like I said, hopefully uh, my man Chase, shout out to you. Hopefully you're feeling better next week. Um, This time of year always sucks um, with that transition to weather and everything like that. I've been trying to avoid it myself. So, Um, But yeah, that is it for this week. Uh, Stay tuned for our next episode next uh, week, uh, about midweek or so. We're going to try to bring in a new segment or two to that one. So try to keep things interesting and and, and spice it up a little bit. So uh, stay tuned for that. Appreciate you guys uh, hanging in there, and uh, see you next week.